Welcome to Nikosia Ankat, produced and presented by Andromai Sophocleos and Kemal Baykallı. After so many speculations, finally the Turkish president Recep Tayyip Erdogan visited Cyprus and made a series of statements. So in this episode, we look at the developments in depth and discuss what's at stake and what lies ahead. Hello Andromai. Hello Kemal, how are you? I am okay. Uh, we are going through, um, how can I say it, interesting times again. Um, interesting, difficult. Visit. Yes. And uh, there was a visit uh, by Turkish President Erdogan and then we were all expecting his visit and wondering what he will be saying. Um, the things he, have, he has been saying are not necessarily surprising, but But still, again, uh, still shocking for many uh, commentators, uh, if you ask me, despite the fact that he said what he was expecting to say. Would you like to summarize what he said during his visit? Yes. Uh, first of all, let's say that there was a lot of speculation beforehand about what uh, uh, the statements uh, would have been. And, you know, some people have claimed that based on what one expected, Uh, the statements that Erdogan made were kind of, uh, you know, re- relieving. Well, I personally disagree with this uh, opinion. So let's just uh, sort of put together what uh, Erdogan said during his visit. Erdogan firstly announced that a new building will be constructed for the presidential palace and for the parliament building uh, for the Turkish Cypriot administration. But most importantly, he announced that uh, a 3.5% of defense of city of Varosha will be opened up as a pilot project. So basically, we are talking about an area that is currently constituted as a military zone under the Turkish Cypriot administration, but we're referring to an area uh, that based uh, on uh, on the UN resolutions, uh, we're referring to an area that should be returned under the uh, United Nations administration and the property should return to the legal owners. So this three and a half percentage of um, an area in defense of city of Varosha, Erdogan announced that it will be opened up And uh, the property rights of the owners, according to Erdogan, will be respected. And there was this public and official call by both Recep Tayyip Erdogan and Ersin Tadar for the Greek Cypriots to appeal to the Immovable Property Commission uh, in order to basically claim uh, their properties back. So this was the the most groundbreaking of announcements that was made uh, during Erdogan's visit in the northern part of Cyprus today. Uh, of course, before coming to Cyprus, Erdogan had made a press conference in which he had made it clear that there is no federation uh, under discussion anymore. He said that the only viable and possible solution currently is a two-state solution. So he made that clear. And at the same time, on the issue of hydrocarbons, um, I think we have not referred to this in our previous podcast episodes, but uh, the Republic of Cyprus has announced that uh, it will proceed to new drillings uh, in its exclusive economic zone uh, towards the end of 2021 in Block 10 that is currently owned by Uh, American company ExxonMobil and uh, Qatar Petroleum. 
And uh, Erdogan entered and said that in response to this uh, drilling, the Turkish side and the Turkish Cypriots will need to, uh, in some way, safeguard their rights and interests. So it is kind of uh, expected uh, that maybe parallel drillings will take place um, towards the end of the year. Uh, Tadar today, on the 20th of July, mentioned that the offer by the Turkish Cypriots for a for the sharing of revenues of hydrocarbons in the waters of Cyprus is still valid and is still on the table. Uh, so I, I think that uh, the Turkish Cypriot and the Turkish side have made an opening in that regard, uh, but this sort of summarizes what was said by the Turkish and Turkish Cypriot side during Erdogan's visit um, uh, in the north of Cyprus uh, on the 19th and 20th of July. Uh, anything that I missed, Kemal? I think it's a great summary and, uh, of course, not a very optimistic summary, but a very <laughs> realistic summary. I think this is what we have always been seeing for a very, very long time. And um, this is happening. Um, the fact that Cypriots or uh, Cypriot leaders or some of them thought that they could handle the situation by constantly rejecting uh, any kind of a solution uh, possibility. They, they, they would think that, that this would go for forever. And it is becoming clear that... Um, they overplayed their cards. And in, in this particular case, I'm talking about um, the Greek Cypriot leadership. Now, um, first of all, um, let's uh, frame the fact that uh, the two suggestions by Erdogan, um, two-state solution and opening up Varosha, they're both um, against the United Nations Security Council resolutions. Mm -hmm. Both of them outright. And um, for the Turkish Cypriots, it would mean that they are now again going back to um, the gray area of of being in a political position of not being accepted by the international community. After their yes vote in 2004, they were getting the sympathy and support of the international community. And now they are going back to this old narrative of two-state solution. For the Greek Cypriots, it is very clear that this is a very difficult, tough choice, especially for uh, for Famagustians who lost their properties back in 1974. Um, as you rightly pointed out during uh, your interviews with the international media, uh, it will be a very tough choice for the Greek Cypriots, uh, especially the property owners. On one hand, uh, Turkey has been telling them, will be will be telling them, you know, you want your properties back, come and claim them. But of course. Coming and claiming them under the Turkish Cypriot administration will be a tough choice. Will it really be um, a realistic uh, suggestion? That is a very difficult, you know, um, question. That's a difficult uh, choice. Maybe some of them will be willing to sell out their properties and get rid of this uh, this this trouble. Others will decide to wait and uh, whether uh, waiting will produce any tangible results for them, it's again another question. And I think Greek Cypriots should realize the fact that uh, all their assumptions are falling apart. They never thought that Turkey would open Varosha, would actually integrate into the Turkish Cypriot uh, area, because this was 
a statistical since 1974. And, um, and Greek Cypriots also, I think the leadership at least, would think that, you know, Turkey would not propose two-state solution anymore. So these two assumptions are falling apart, and uh, meaning that um, maybe all their assumptions will, will fall apart. And uh, they should really open their eyes and, and, and see where they are heading to. And I don't think that there is a very clear strategy at this moment um, regarding on where the Greek Cypriot community are, are heading. I mean, I'm not saying Cyprus, but particularly the Greek Cypriot community heading to at, the moment, at this moment. When it comes to the international community, I think, again, it's either miscalculation or mishandling of the things. I don't know which one is more or maybe both. When I say international community, firstly, the European Union, um, they had to be clever enough to handle this situation in various ways. On one hand, they should be telling the Greek Cypriots that they have no right to drag the entire union into a crisis starting from Crown Montana um, um, failure up until now, there have been many opportunities to, uh, let's say, reignite the process and all of them were missed and then EU did not play its cards carefully when trying to convince its member state, Republic of Cyprus at this stage, to become more reasonable and become more proactive in reigniting the solution process. Um, the the Americans, of course, Trump was in power and they had their own problems. But at the end of the day, uh, the Western world, the international community, the EU, the, the, the, the NATO probably wouldn't like to see another conflict on this part of the world. And as you rightly pointed out, the drillings is also another recipe for conflict in the coming uh, months ahead. So... Um, from Turkey's perspective, though, um, I think they have nothing to lose. Um, I think uh, Mr. Erdogan has personally been involved in the, the this uh, Cyprus process since 2002 when he came to power in Turkey. His first international, real international experience was Cyprus in Bergenstock. He felt that um, the promises were not kept. I'm not saying he's right or wrong, and but this is how he feels. He feels that Turkish Cypriots promised to say yes, and they did, and in return, EU did nothing. EU did not deliver its promises. And then in 2017, Turkey is convinced that they were um, doing the right things. And uh, I, I know that many internationals also feel that Turkey actually uh, took some steps towards that direction. Whether it is enough or not, it's another discussion, but this was not uh, capitalized on. So Turkey says that I don't want to be bullied by a small island state uh, which just because they're a new member and they're just playing with us, you know. So enough is enough. Whatever the cost is, uh, we are going to say, um, no, we don't want to buy this anymore. This is over. I think there is also some kind of a personal pride and ego in this as well, or, or Mr. Erdogan. The, the, the opposition in Turkey is also not following a different path. I mean, the opposition is also very nationalistic when it comes to the Cyprus problem. So, in fact, he has nothing to lose. The only thing that might slow him down or put him off would be uh, his the Turkey, Turkey's relationship with the EU and with the US. 
in terms of the EU, I think he sees that there are so many other problems with the union, so that um, you know, uh, giving up this new position wouldn't really uh, bring him anything new. And regardless of the fact that even if they solve, solve the Cyprus problem, probably there will be other issues pending, um, t- waiting for Turkey, uh, waiting for Turkey to um, to solve. And when it comes to the American Biden administration, um, yes, probably they are very angry. But at the end of the day, uh, there are so many uh, fronts that they have with Turkey, including the S-400s, Turkey's role in, in Afghanistan, Turkey's role in the region, American-Turkish bilateral relations. And I wonder if the Americans would put everything aside and put a Cyprus issue, issue as, a, as a priority, especially when the international community, I think, knows very well that Mr. Anastasiadis has, has not proven his sincerity about sol- solving the Cyprus problem. I have five comments. You, you know, when you were speaking, I was noting down, and I have five comments in what you said. So, you, you, you know that we often uh, see eye to eye on things. So, uh, first, on the issue of Varosha, I mean, we need to clarify to our audience that Varosha has always been a sort of different area than any other area regarding the Cyprus problem because we have the uh, United Nations resolutions that explicitly refer to the need for defense of city of Varosha to be re- uh, returned uh, under UN administration uh, and for the property in that area to be returned to its legal owners. So we've got this um, understanding, an understanding that was embedded in the Greek Cypriot community that Varosha was different. No matter what would have happened in the Cyprus issue, uh, Varosha was somehow uh, deemed as, you know, granted or certain. We have anecdotal evidence saying that Anastasiadis, even a bit after Akram Montana, was telling to the Famagustians that, you know, uh, I can get you back Varosha even without the Cyprus problem solution. So there was always this perspective that was built. So, on the issue of property, Erdogan now comes and says that uh, uh, Greek Cypriots can appeal to the Immovable Property Commission and he claims that they will respect people's right to their property, etc. We need, and I need to stress this, we need to appreciate people's frustrations, people's emotions, and we need to appreciate that the Greek Cypriots will be faced with a great dilemma. Already I saw tonight on the 20th of July that President Anastasiadis said that no Famagustian would become an accomplice, he used the word accomplice, to the plans of Turkey, uh, and to their aims, which means that a lot of emotional pressure will start, will start being uh, built against the Varosians, so that Varosians will not appeal to the Immovable Property Commission. In all honesty, I cannot be the judge of anyone 
in all honesty, I personally feel as a political analyst, but also as an activist, I personally feel that we need to understand that this is a great dilemma. We need to understand that we are talking about a conflict that has been going on for more than 47 years. People are sick and tired of empty political promises, and people are sick and tired of waiting for a political resolution to the problem. So they might indeed seek a legal resolution to their issue, and I can by in no way be a judge against them. But I understand that the Republic of Cyprus will attempt to discourage these people, it will attempt to undermine their cause, and it will attempt um, to in any way uh, make sure that they will not appeal to the Immovable Property Commission. Um, but I, I, I, I want to sort of refer to the Greek Cypriot audience and say that we need to be understanding and we shouldn't judge people. We shouldn't be too ready to uh, judge and accuse people about their um, decisions. When it comes to the two-state solution now I, and the proposal being put forward by Erdogan, on the one hand, we have a clear understanding that this suggestion puts the Turkish Cypriots against the United Nations Security Council. It puts the uh, Turkish Cypriots against uh, all the United Nations resolutions on the Cyprus problem until this uh, age. And actually, we saw opposition parties in the Turkish Cypriot community that responded and reacted against Erdogan's uh, suggestion. We saw uh, Turkish Cypriot opposition parties that, uh, in fact, boycotted uh, his speech in the Turkish Cypriot administration. And that was, in my opinion, a brave stance that they took. At the same time, though, I honestly believe that we should ask ourselves why is Erdogan able to put the two-state solution on the table today with so few reactions, with such a minimal reaction to uh, such an unprecedented stance. And we honestly need to question ourselves, why can he do it? And honestly, I think part of the answer is the fact that the Republic of Cyprus government has not proved uh, that it is committed to uh, what the United Nations resolutions call for, which is um, a bizonal by communal federation. So when we discuss this issue, we need to bring this issue into discussion and we need to bring this issue into uh, our perspective because it is clear that the Anastasiadis government has failed uh, to prove uh, to be committed to a bizonal by communal federation. They seem to be incapable uh, to defend the political equality that is required under a bizonal by communal federation. And this is the reason why Erdogan can so easily bring the two-state solution on the table with such a minimal uh, reaction. At the same time, a fourth point I would like to raise is the fact that Turkey has admitted uh, to have received immense diplomatic effort by both the United States and the European Union in order to reduce, to, to lower the tone of its announcements during Erdogan's visit on the 19th and 20th of July. So we need to bring this into perspective as well, that uh, it seems like the Republic of Cyprus counts on uh, a diplomatic effort. Uh, if you, if one would read all the Greek Cypriot media ahead of Erdogan's visit, it was clear that the Republic of Cyprus vests all its hopes 
on uh, the diplomatic effort by the internationals, but the diplomatic effort by the internationals can get one that far. Uh, they cannot solve the Cyprus problem and they cannot put an end to an unstable status quo unless the Republic of Cyprus itself proves <laughs> that it can take uh, bold steps to prove that it supported by Zona by Communal Federation. And my last point uh, in response to what you said is that what Erdogan has proved uh, in his uh, latest statements is that there is no such thing as a status quo. Things are unstable. The, the island will be faced with the tensions and crises of a greater or smaller extent as long as there is no solution to the Cyprus problem and anyone who has uh, for many years counted on the fact that you know the status quo is more or less predictable will be disproved and will be faced with the bitter reality and the bitter truth that uh, the island is faced with uh, unprecedented and continuous tension. When you are asking for the support of the international community, you need to build it slowly. I mean, you just cannot out of blue say, oh, um, I want your support, because the international community has been trying to get involved um, for the solution of the Cyprus problem. And uh, most of the time, um, they were they were not necessarily getting the they were getting very good words they were getting thank yous but when it comes to the real matter most of the time we have even um, seen examples how the the leaderships have been um, attacking even the the envoys the the, the, the internationals who have been trying to to help and, um, you know, I think there is also this sense of um, the internationals are also fed up with the Cypriots, not only with the Cyprus problem, but also with the Cypriots and the parties to the um, Cyprus problem. When you think that you can solve the Cyprus problem the way you wanted it, like, last 20, 30, 40 years, but not not taking into consideration that the the the world has been changing and the, you know the internationals have been getting used to the current division of the cyprus problem although you have all the international security council resolutions on your side and this and that they're a little bit obsolete at, at the end of the day and then you know there are so many other security council resolutions which are not necessarily fully respected Look, we have the, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. We have all kind of issues everywhere in the world. So I think Turkey also saw this in in the sense that in the sense that maybe on one hand you have the the United Nations Security Council resolution asking Turkey to return Varosha to the United Nations, but at the same time we have the European Court of Human Rights asking Turkey to return the properties to their rightful owners. So. Here is the dilemma. How can you um, return the properties if the area is under the military status? Well, very simple. You return the whole area to the United Nations as Security Council resolution suggests, and the problem will be solved. But I think everybody also accepted the international community acknowledged that the fact that 
for so many years that the Varosha would be part of a comprehensive deal. And when you acknowledge this, when you discuss Varosha being part of a comprehensive solution, and when the talks fail, people will not be surprised, the internationals will not be surprised that at the time of the failure, that Turkey did not return Varosha to the United Nations, right? So they, although they don't recognize this, maybe officially, but they somehow at the back of their minds, acknowledge that the fact that the only way to return the properties uh, would probably be just to let the owners to, to come and claim it. And this will bring us to this, this discussion, this issue that you just mentioned. Now Turkey will say, you know what? We couldn't solve the Cyprus problem. You know, we've tried many times. We tried in 2004. We tried in, in 2017. And we couldn't solve it. So why do I keep this... Uh, fenced town fenced anymore so I, I don't don't want to be blamed uh, for not returning the properties here what I'm going to do I'm just removing the military status and I'm returning the properties to their owners I mean should I be blamed for that Turkey would say so you know yes again like the official uh, diplomatic channels will say no this is wrong you shouldn't be doing this this is an area that is you know, it's it's it is becoming a gray area. It isn't a gray area in 1978 or seven, 1980 or 85, but it is now becoming a gray area after so many for half a century. No, you know, Kemal. I mean, I think our audience knows, and I don't think that we ever ha hit uh, where we stand uh, on regarding the Cyprus problem. But it comes a time when one needs to be honest and there are some things that we need to admit even to our own selves and uh, i was reading about the reaction of the republic of cyprus uh, today and i was reading about their appeals to the european union countries their appeals to the ministers of foreign affairs their appeals to the eu high representative and i myself uh, feel tired sick and tired of this predictable reaction and I myself want to see something more substantial and I can only think that the Europeans are also sick and tired of the Cypriots constantly coming and asking for the international's help but when it comes to taking decisive steps and when it comes to actually making moves towards the solutions towards a solution, uh, the, the Greek Cypriots are always lagging behind. Where is the Republic of Cyprus taking initiatives at this, uh, at this um, time? I saw the Republic of Cyprus president, Mr. Anastasiadis, uh, today saying that, uh, uh, you know, the, the Turkish Cypriots need to understand that this situation is to their detriment as well, etc., etc. But what has the Republic of Cyprus done to make the Turkish Cypriots feel safe, to make the Turkish Cypriots feel that they are welcome under uh, the Republic of Cyprus itself, to make the Turkish Cypriots feel that the Republic of Cyprus at the end of the day is not only uh, a Greek Cypriot uh, state. I mean, these are the actions that are currently needed and these are the actions that the uh, Republic of Cyprus is lacking in. And uh, it is high time 
<laughs> the Republic of Cyprus woke up and smelled the coffee. <laughs> uh, to use an expression that, uh, in fact, was Dilnami used when it comes to the United Nations <laughs> in the past. You just referred um, previously, actually, the fact that Turkey uh, was actually uh, pressured by the internationals, by the EU, to tone down his rhetoric. And uh, here's what uh, we said in our last podcast. And um, we have heard different um, international actors warning Mr. Erdogan, telling him not to uh, use a very harsh narrative. And uh, knowing Mr. Erdogan, uh, I know that it will, in fact, uh, give him a boost for a harsh narrative. Now, whether he's going to come up with a very provocative plan for what's going to follow after his visit, it's another story. But we know that it is creating a perfect opportunity because EU has publicly made an announcement asking him to tone down his narrative, which we all know that this is going to give an opposite effect. And, um, and in fact, even yesterday, he made a statement about that, you know, Turkey is an independent country, they can do whatever they, they want. And, and um, probably this narrative will continue on, on the anniversary of the, of the 20th of July. And probably he might come up with some sort of a new opening for Varosha, inviting the, the, the owners of the, the properties to come and settle. As, as you just heard, um, we were expecting Erdogan to um, actually responded to this public uh, threat, if you like, in inverted commas. This is a very good chance for Erdogan to prove uh, his, uh, <laughs> his nationalistic stance and prove that he can never bow down to the threats of the, the, the, the West and they are not keeping their promises. We knew that he was actually hit back and this is, what I, this is exactly you know, what happened. When it comes to um, Republic of Cyprus showing... Um, uh, a, a, a giving a soft tone and, and, and feeling Turkish Cypriots are being ac accepted. Yes, um, we know that um, tr they uh, provided the vaccines that were given by the European Union um, during pandemic. And yes, we know that there are occasional um, duties that the Republic of Cyprus do towards their um, Turkish Cypriot uh, citizens, in inverted commas, I should say, at this stage, who, uh, who happen to be living in the north. Um, but um, as, as a Turkish Cypriot activist, I hear very often, uh, like, I mean, this uh, by the by the people who are critical of the work that I do and say, I mean, look, they don't want you, you know, they, look, they, they are always carrying Greek flags, you know, they're, um, they're not accepting our proposals. We have chosen, we have elected Akinju and then even Akinju couldn't solve it. So, you know, they don't want you. Why are you, why are you working? Why are you trying? So there is a, a sense of insincerity when it comes to the actions and, and the narratives. And of course, this is also um, not helping when it comes to a, a choosing a more choosing more pro sol solution Turkey Cypriots and uh, and not only I mean um, I think even the internationals know this they realize this you know Kimal I I honestly think it is important at this time to stress that 
those Turkish Cypriots in the Turkish Cypriot community that have opposed uh, the visit of uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, those Turkish Cypriots that have uh, raised their voice against the intervention of Turkey in the Turkish Cypriot affairs, the, the, those Turkish Cypriots that are adamant that they do not want uh, external interference in their affairs, are those Turkish Cypriots that have been working for so many years with the Greek Cypriot uh, pro-reunification activists. They are those Turkish Cypriots that have been working on solution, that have been working on a bizonal bicommunal federation. I must say, they are those Turkish Cypriots that received the pepper spray against them by the Republic of Cyprus in the demonstrations uh, um, uh, after the closing of crossing points in, uh, in February 2020. And for me, it is clear at this stage that the people who want reunification, the people who want a joint future on these islands are the people who in their uh, respective communities have been called traitors. As you said yourself, I mean, in, in the Turkey Cypriot community, people tell you, why are you fighting for peace with the Greek Cypriots? They just do not want you. And similar things I hear in, in the Greek Cypriot community myself. And I think that it is high time that Cypriots realize that unless they came together, uh, we cannot claim um, a reunited island. We cannot claim a free, a reunited future um, aside from uh, external interference. And it is high time that people on the island understood that we cannot stand alone. The island is too small to be divided. And unless we claim our future jointly and together, uh, there is honestly no uh, positive or no viable future for us on, on, on the island. And not only for Turkish Cypriots, also for Greek Cypriots. Of and course, this is something that many Greek Cypriots also fail to see. They think that, okay, we lost North, whatever mm -hmm. happens, happens mm -hmm. in the North, there's going to be a wall. And then if any Turkish Cypriots want us, they can come and live in the South and, you know, the others can do whatever they want. Well, this, we know that this is, <laughs> this is, uh, this is not a realistic dream, if, if, <laughs> to, to call it a dream, um, in, on such a small island. But mm -hmm. before we conclude, let's, talk a little bit what we should be expecting in the coming months and days ahead. I mean, yes, it has been quite disappointing for many people uh, where we uh, ended up after uh, high, the hopes were so high uh, before Crown Montana period. But now um, there is clearly a risk of, of tensions um, increasing. There is still a, there is a risk that the Turkey's relations with the EU will further be stained. There will be pressures on Turkey, um, definitely. But I think there will also be pressures on the Republic of Cyprus as well, because regardless of the fact that it is easy and comfortable to accuse Turkey. A, a government nobody uh, likes in the region um, because their relations are so bad with each and every neighbor and then their democratic um, report uh, if you like it's it's not necessarily very good but I think you know I think the internationals will also apply um, pressure on all sides if of course they're if they're really if they are really interested to contain the crisis uh, on this part uh, of the world because you know Containing it and and and keeping it frozen 
it is not possible anymore. I mean, it is not. It, it every time we are having this debate about that Cyprus problem is a frozen conflict, we <laughs> ended up with some sort of a of crisis. So I am expecting some intervention from the internationals um, and some pressure, of course. But but still, um, you know, Anastasia, this government, even in, in Geneva, in the last talks where there was this shocking um, uh, offer, suggestion by uh, the Turkish and Turkish Cypriot side of two-state solution, still there were some preconditions of recognizing the equality of the Turkish Cypriots and the bicommunal bizonal and, and accepting bicommunal bizonal republic. Although they were saying it that they they would ac- accept. I'm talking about the Greek Cypriot leadership now so um probably um erdogan will be ready to uh, resist it uh, resist against this because there will be elections in turkey in 2023 and i don't think it is um the the right time for erdogan to swallow its own words uh, he was very sharp and adamant when he was saying that we are not backing down from the two-state solution proposal how do you see things uh, evolving now No, I agree. And as we have said uh, many times before, there is no such thing as a frozen conflict. Uh, I I think it is important for the European Union and for the European Union especially to understand that uh, it is sliding blindly uh, towards a hard border with Turkey in the middle of Nicosia. Uh, It is high time the European Union understood that they need uh, to take steps for uh, a solution to the Cyprus problem. You know, we we have been repeating this so many times and people will think that, oh, but do you want the internationals to interfere? And oh, you do not understand that if the Cypriots do not want it, then nobody can push them, etc. But I think we cannot stress enough that this will become an issue with which the European Union will sooner or later need to be faced. It is easy to put things under the carpet at the moment and it is easy to find sort of short-term solutions to the problem, but unless there is a long-term comprehensive solution to the problem, the European Union will constantly be faced uh, with an issue. And I will give a small example. The, the European Union is currently investing billions in its relationship with Turkey. There are European Union countries that have billions of euros of um, worth of trade uh, uh, with Turkey. What happens if Turkey makes a move that uh, needs to be tackled with? What happens if Turkey actually annexes them? Our analysis in this podcast is that Turkey does not have an interest in annexing the North when it, in, when it de facto can uh, exert its influence in all aspects of the Turkish Cypriot life. But I'm asking, what happens if Turkey makes this move? What will this mean for the European Union? What will this mean for the billions worth of euros of trade relation between uh, the European Union and Turkey? Will the European Union sacrifice all this for the sake of Cyprus? Yes, it will be called to do it because we are talking about the European Union member state. I'm just giving an example in order for the European Union to understand that 
the status quo, as we have often said, it is not sustainable and nobody can take it for granted. So in all honesty, I, I believe that we're going to see an unprecedented diplomatic pressure being exerted on both Turkey and the Republic of Cyprus in the near future. And I refer to Turkey because, of course, admittedly, it controls the Turkish Cypriot uh, leadership at the moment. So I believe that uh, we will see this sort of pressure in the near future. Actually. <laughs> You know, we had this discussion amongst us today that, you know, we were seeing the pictures of people uh, celebrating Bayram and we were discussing amongst us how can one celebrate today. But, you know, life move on, moves on. And we cannot yes, exactly, be exactly exactly uh, yeah be because people are are, are are are you know we are also sick and tired of the Cyprus problem and you know they need to continue their lives. I mean it's like a pandemic. It's like people are afraid. That's true. There there are threats to their health and everything. But you know at the end of the day, we also want to feel that we are human beings and we function uh, like human beings. We go out, we work, we get angry, we love, we cry, and this is this is life. So I think it's been a, a long podcast, but that was needed. Uh, we are all hoping to hear feedback from our uh, listeners, and we should also thank to our listeners who've been uh, giving us very positive feedback and uh, praise us and thank us for what we do on, on, on multiple mediums, including uh, Twitter, and we thank them for for um, listening to this boring Cyprus problem issues <laughs> with us. And uh, and uh, let's see what we are going to say in the coming uh, weeks ahead. Yes, let's hope for more positive uh, podcast episodes. And let's remind our audience that sometimes we need to repeat ourselves. We need to repeat um, some of the things we say because... You know, these are uh, important times for Cyprus and uh, we feel that some things are not uh, uh, reflected in the local media and we need to... And also when we are doing this podcast, sometimes it's difficult for us to differentiate between being an analyst and being uh, an activist. And uh, of course, uh, let's uh, um, finish this podcast by saying that we need to um, feel for each other. We need to uh, understand the difficulties that each community are going through and we need to express empathy and, uh, you know, pains should not be celebrated. Ajilaran Bayram Olmaz. And uh, on this note, I think uh, we need to uh, finish this, uh, this podcast episode and then we look forward to um, be with you in the coming episodes. And we should remember that our past is marked with nationalism, enmity and division, and we should work for a different future. And this is what we hope to be working for. Thank you very much. İyi bayramlar, Kemal. İyi bayramlar. Teşekkürler, Andromahir.